and welcome to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury, the 30th episode, 30th episode extravaganza. I have something super, super special for you this episode. My first show was released on June 30th, where Audrey came on and we talked about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1. And 30 episodes later, it's February 9th. Uh, I've done pretty well of keeping up with my weekly schedule, and we've got a lot of awesome stuff that's happened on the show so far. We've had Star Trek actors, we had all sorts of cool friends come on the show, actors, uh, musicians, weirdos, nerds, great fucking people. And I'm just so grateful, not only to all my guests, but to all the listeners who've made this one of the cooler things that I've done, something that I'm still really excited about and looking forward to the future. So this episode, I have Mugatu, my band, Mugatu. Uh, I was a part of this band for three years, and it was quite possibly the most worthwhile endeavor I've ever partaken in. When I first started the podcast, I wanted nothing more than to do an episode with Barton and Dan, my bandmates in Mugatu. But Dan was right in the middle of writing the series finale of the Tiny Baby Talk Show, and before that, the Bumbershoot episode. So he was super, super busy, and we just didn't have the time to sit down, the three of us, and chat. And then Barton moved to New Zealand, the band ended, and it looked like I might have lost my chance to, to get Mugatu on the show. But then Barton came back to town early in January, and we just had such a fun week while he was here, and I got to record two podcasts with Barton, this being the first that you're going to get to hear. Uh, So coming up on the show uh, next time, I'm going to have a whole episode, just Barton and I, and actually his wife stopped by, his wife Val, and we talked all about Barton's new project, uh, his yet-to-be-titled project that he's working on in New Zealand. Uh, And it's really, I mean, if you've listened to the show since the beginning, you heard Barton when he first came on talking about his solo project, The Great Pacific Garbage Vortex. He's doing something completely different now, and uh, I mean, he's doing both at this point, but yeah, it's a really exciting thing that I can't wait to bring to you. But first, we got to get Mugatu on the books. I am so thrilled with how this episode turned out. This is completely unrelated to science fiction, so it seemed fitting for my 30th episode of a sci-fi podcast to not talk about sci-fi at all, because why the fuck not? Uh, listening to this episode, when I went back to put it together, it was just like, I don't know, I mean, the, just hanging out with my friends. You know, when I when I host this show or when I host Sci-Fi on Trial, it's a very different mindset from just sitting with my two best friends and chatting about the thing that we did together that we're so fucking excited about. So, I, I, the, the excitement that we all shared for being in this band together. It's tangible, it's palpable when you listen to this. And I've cut in a bunch of our music so you can hear what we're talking about in case you've never heard the band before. So if you have no idea who this band is, if you've never seen us play, never heard any of our music, it does not matter. This episode is wildly entertaining and will take you on the journey from the inception of this band to our, to our final show. Before we do that, I have a couple of thank yous, uh, really important things that I want to say thank you for. First of all, I have a new patron, which is so exciting. My friend Jane, who is just a wonderful person, uh, very cool, huge nerd, and I love her so much. She's my newest patron, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, so now my two patrons are Barton and Jane. <laughs> and, you know, I'm now getting $3 a month for doing doing my passions, which is amazing. I mean... It may not seem like much to somebody listening to this, but it's just a huge vote of confidence from these two people who are saying to me, you know, it's not weird that you're a 31-year-old man who's still obsessively following your passions all the time. I think it's cool. And I think that that's cool. So thank you. That means so much to me. And then at the end of the last episode, I, you know, you might have heard I was a little bit down. I've had some uh, seasonal affective disorder. 
But uh, and I said, you know, I said something along the lines of, if you if you listen to the show, just you know, let me know, let me know what you think of it. It'll make me feel better. And I did hear from someone. I heard from someone on Twitter, Daniel Sanchez at Dan Odick uh, at D A N O T I C K. Had some really nice things to say. Dan and I have been, you know, tweeting back and forth at each other for a little bit now. And I, it's, I just wanted to say thank you, Daniel. That, it really means a lot to me to hear from you. Uh, it really uh, cheered me up. So thank you so much. Uh, and then there's some other people that have been super supportive of the show. Kayla, Kayla Greet in particular has had some wonderful things to say that, you know, whenever I get a little bit down about myself and she's just like, dude, chill out. Just keep doing it. And I, you know, I really appreciate that. I also want to say thank you to some of my Twitter friends who've been really supportive just the whole way through. Uh, Evan at From the Wastes has been tweeting all about my show, both of my shows, and just probably been my biggest supporter since I've started. And I cannot say thank you enough, Evan. Thank you so much. And uh, Mark and Aaron at at uh, at Mark Axon Six and at the Great Aaron, you guys have also been super supportive, and I really appreciate it. Speaking of Kayla. Kayla and Graham from the Skillshot Pincast came on the show two episodes ago, and I've had a pinball revelation since then. Kayla and Graham were telling me all about the the tournament scene here in Seattle, and I was just kind of scoffing at it. I was like, no, you know, I had this bad experience with this person who was mean to me at a tournament, and I don't want to play like a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> and then after talking to them about the tournaments, they were both so convincing about how fun it was that I actually went and I played in a tournament. And I had so much fun. I had so much fun. I uh, I am now an internationally ranked pinball player. Can you believe that? After one tournament, I am internationally ranked. I am, drum roll please, I am the 24,621st best pinball player internationally. Booyah. <laughs> I lost every single game that I played. I did absolutely terribly, but I had so much fun. My first game was against this guy named Travis. We played Metallica, and it's not a band that I like. It's not a pinball table that I'm particularly fond of, and I did terribly. Uh, and he was super cool about it, you know? Uh, and he and I have ended up playing a bunch of games since then, and, uh, you know, he's a super cool guy. Everybody that I met at these pinball tournaments has been incredible. I went to a Skillshot folding party. You know, Kaylin Graham put out the, the Skillshot zine. They fold these little magazines that they put together once, uh, once every, I think it's every month or every two months that the Skillshot comes out, but they have a party to have their friends come over and help fold the zines. And that's the first pinball event that I went to where I met a bunch of really cool people. On the, the Skillshot crossover, we talked about this guy, Elijah, who I always see play, who's just incredibly good. His, uh, you know, elf, if you ever see his high score on the pinball tables here in Seattle. And he came to this folding party and we got to play some games together. And I actually won a couple of games. I was like, holy shit, maybe I should go to tournaments. And that's what convinced me to go. And then I went and then I lost and it was awesome. But, you know, anyway, long story short, I've been playing a bunch of pinball with Kayla and Graham since then, hanging out with these amazing guys. If you didn't notice, we got some uh, some friend chemistry happening <laughs> on, our, on, our, on our crossover episode where we polished off an entire bottle of Kraken rum. Uh, so yeah, thank you to Kaylin Graham. They've been really supportive and really awesome recently, and I love it. I've also started watching all of the Indiana Jones movies again in preparation for the next sci-fi on trial, which I am getting so excited about. I cannot wait. I've been in touch with the panel from sci-fi on trial. We're going to be recording that episode shortly. 
having a party to watch Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I've only seen once. I only watched it once in the theater. I was like, this movie is bullshit, and I refuse to watch it again. So I haven't seen it since then, and I cannot wait to uh, to get some weed and some whiskey and hang out with these fine folks and watch the movie. And then we're going to record our podcast about it after that. So Sci-Fi on Trial, the second trial is coming to you soon. And as I've been teasing for a long time, the uh, the, the Star Trek Next Generation Season 3 panel, which I still haven't gotten around recording, that's coming up soon. And a while back, I mentioned that my friend Glennis Mitchell, who's an actress, she's a writer, she was in this uh, sci-fi-themed uh, web series that I composed music for, kind of. Um, <laughs> she's coming on the show. I ran into her down at Pike Place Market, and we're gonna we're gonna meet up. As I mentioned, I've been having some seasonal affective disorder, and she and I are gonna chat about that using sci-fi as escapism for depression, which is gonna be a really fun episode that I can't wait to can't wait to record. So yeah, episode thirty. I've had some really cool experiences recently, reinvigorating me on the show. Uh, up until now, I've been trying really hard to release episodes weekly. I'm gonna maybe slack off on that a little bit. Um, as we're about to talk about in this episode, I'm working on finishing the last Mugato album, and I need a little bit more time for that. And I'm about to go into production for a, um, a music video for Cosmic Child. That song is 95% finished. I'm about. I'm just working on finishing the master right now. Johnny Unicorn is going to help me make a new music video for that. So, uh, and then Sci-Fi on Trial is coming up. So I'm doing a lot, a lot at once. So I'm going to be a little more uh, slack about my my release schedule for this show. Definitely still going to keep going, still going to have stuff coming out, but it might be every two weeks. It may be, uh, you know, if I have stuff ready every week, I'll release it, but who knows? I'm not really sure. I'm going to, you know, and I'm just going to get episodes out as I can, as I'm doing all this other cool stuff. So, uh, yeah, so that's going to be happening. I think that's it. I think that's everything I need to update you about. So let's jump into Mugatu. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know that I've been having some weird audio issues since I was moved into this apartment after the flood, my old apartment, where I'm getting some background noise from the radio. I did solve this problem. I did figure it out, but I figured it out after I recorded this episode with Barton and Dan. So you will hear some weird radio noises in the background. There's some really loud saxophone at one point. Uh, anyway, uh, so if you hear that, ignore it. So let's get into this shit. Uh, I want to play you a little bit of Mugatu before we get started. I just want to, you know, wet your whistle for what this band is all about. So here's one of my favorite songs that we ever wrote. It's off of our album, uh, Mugatu 3 Megalodon, and it's called Mount St. Helena. <laughs> Mount St. Helena. 
You guys started Mugatsu without me. Tell me about it. It was um, it was a lot of fun. We didn't really even think of it as a band. I feel like at no. first we weren't trying to start a band. We were in another band called Autumn Electric, which was a lot of fun in its own right, and which was led by really a really great songwriter, Michael True, and was uh, a great band. The material was very... It was dynamic. Dynamic. It was also often just very serious and sad in its themes. And there was... uh, And that's okay, of course. And, like, we all engaged. Like, I know that all three of us still, like, totally involve ourselves in making sad or complex, serious music. But there's a certain pressure there. Um, it's, it can be exhausting, you know, after a show, if a show doesn't go well, it can really feel like, um, a problem. Uh, well, yeah. And I don't know, to me, to me, like for me, Megatu uh, was a result of us having like practice with Autumn Electric and it was like, there was a, there was a lot of, at least on my part, a lot of thought that went into the parts that I played uh like how hard am i playing them like is it i i i, I wanted to like only serve the song you know and uh so i wanted an excuse to be like self-indulgent and kind of like sloppy and poppy and uh we had just uh uh we just re-fallen in love with scott pilgrim versus the world <laughs> and uh those sex with bomb songs by beck and it was like that's what we wanted we were also really into brian jonestown massacre at the time yeah and- yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so we wanted to, I think we explicitly talked about, like, let's make some songs that are really easy. Mm-hmm. Not just easy to digest, but just easy, easy to, to play. write. Yeah. Like, easy to write and play. And right, because we'd spend, like, weeks on an Autumn Electric song mm-hmm. before we thought it was ready to, like, be played out. Mm-hmm. And although eventually, years later, we sort of did away with, with this habit, but in the original Mugatu practices, we wrote a song every practice, mm-hmm. and... And that was just one small part of practice, was writing a new song. And then we would play that song and all the other songs yeah, that we and liked. At that point, we had, like, four songs, and we just play them over and over <laughs> yeah. again. And if we didn't... But we had a few more. Like, there were there's, some there's reggae on. Yeah, reggae's the only one that comes to mind. We wrote, <laughs> oh my like, God. a reggae song. That. And, well, yeah. at, that, at that point, I was like, I want to play keyboards, too. Like, And I was like, no, nah, nah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, and if we didn't feel it, or if it didn't come together... During that rehearsal, then like fuck it, we're throwing all this shit away forever. Well, and that's I think that was a big part of the philosophy of the band, just throughout the its entire existence. Like mm-hmm. if it didn't yeah. feel like it was working, we just ditched it, or we and we threw away parts. shit that we loved. Yeah. You know? Oh, totally. Like Jefferson, Jefferson Starfish. Starfish. <laughs> <laughs> that, that song. That's that the, song that's is so the good. one that got away. Yeah. That I really. Which one was that? That was um. Was it the one that was kind of like that? Do you have a guitar sitting around? Was it that Brit Rock one? Do you have a guitar sitting around? Yeah. Give me a guitar. Let's just play Jefferson Starfish. Yes. To the best of our ability. No, but acknowledging that we gave up this song even before the end of the band, but also the band ended, you know, five months ago. So let, let, we don't need to play it. Let's just. I'm just curious. I, I want to hear, hear it. Um, get ready, Dan. Get ready. You ready? No, I'm just going to be on my phone That's while fine. you guys figure it out. You can just do a little tap. I'm not, tap, I'm not, tap. I'm not partaking in that. Don't do a tap. No, I don't want to do a tap. Um. <clears throat> Ooh. 
right. Oh, you start. You, oh, you're you sing oh, first. So you're oh, like. Oh, okay. You're yeah. like. Go. Why, oh, oh. Really? Why, oh, oh. Wasn't that right? I thought it was like. Oh, oh, oh shit! You're right. Oh, oh, oh. You're right. You're right. See that would have been better in the uh, for the acoustic set. Yeah, we talked about that, but well, we never we, played another well, acoustic show. Well, we wrote it. Uh, we came up with the riff while we were preparing for an acoustic set. Like, oh, that, it, was, yeah. like, it was like written for it, acoustic guitar. Makes, it's probably why it didn't work then when we tried to bring right, it to the yeah. band. That's yeah, yeah. That's the one that got away that I really do miss. Um, yeah. But we gave up a lot of songs over the years. Pank. Wow, wow. <laughs> that was rad. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I, Power I, Bottom. Power Bottom's the only one that ever made it to show that we then... No, we cut a couple that made it to show. Made to- it to show. Toxic Shock kind of... No, Toxic Shock. We, we never officially cut Toxic Shock. No, it's on, yeah. our, it's on one of our records. Yeah. No. We kind of stopped playing it. Yeah, but we... <laughs> we also, broke it out every once in a while. We also, yeah. There's also other songs we didn't play, right? Like 75 South, we didn't play that often. Yeah, but... Yeah. That was our best song. <laughs> Not our best song. All right, so you guys started this band, and then the oh, first show you played was well. The recording was was that. Oh yeah, that was so wonderful. That we, was like one of my, that's like top ten memories. Yeah, so we were in the snowstorm, the great blizzard of of two thousand twelve. <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. Uh, I think, <laughs> of the winter of two thousand twelve. I think I it was think. twelve, but right beginning of the year two thousand twelve. Like, yeah, just turned two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. No. Well, we were going no. to... 2010, 2011. Was it 11? No. It might have been 12. <laughs> 2012. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and there was a snowstorm, and we were supposed to do an autumn electric recording that day. Yeah, so we you gonna, and I were driving you there. You picked me up. Picked you up on Capitol Hill, and then we started <laughs> driving there, and I forget, we were recording up in Northgate or something. Yeah, we were we like had, 15th. We like got yeah. to 15th when you started sliding. We were just sliding what? sliding all over the place. We saw a bunch of ambulances and fire trucks and f- sirens blazing, because there was snow everywhere. And wow. of course, Seattle's just terrible when it comes to the snow, uh, just because they don't get it very often. The city has two snow plows and they don't salt or sand the roads, which is all good because that's bad for the it environment. The but ocean, yeah. and, and it's great. I actually, I really love it. I love when it snows in Seattle because the entire city shuts down. It becomes an apocalyptic situation <laughs> you're seriously like as we were driving around we saw there was a bus that had totally spun so that it was perpendicular with the road just <laughs> static in the middle of like 19th avenue or something yeah, like, so like no traffic could go in either direction ever there are people we saw a couple people trying to bike still and just fall just like people <laughs> yeah. falling on bikes 
Um, and then we promptly decided that we were just going to go back to my house and get yeah. drunk. And You had no power. That's right. But we had my tape, my Tascam 4-track tape recorder, and I rigged it up because it has a little 9-volt power input in the back. You know, just needs a little wall wart. And I cut the the cord to it and connected it to a 9-volt battery. So we powered the little recorder off the battery and at the time it was just acoustic drums and my like totally distorted as fuck acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and we could just do both of those things because i didn't play acoustic guitar through the amp i just put the microphone up to it set everything on the like like we did on the most recent record yeah. or with the to be to be released to be released record we just cranked all the preamps on that fucker all the way so we got like crazy acoustic guitar distortion power. there was no power in the house it was <laughs> i've like, never heard this story yeah and, and so we yeah, got, we got drunk. We got so drunk. So we recorded the sort of bare bones. It was like drums first, then guitar. Yep. And then you did bass I did while ba- I played the, tambourine or something. Like, yeah, it was the, like because the, at that point the power had kicked back in. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. So we played bass and then we did vocals at the end. And we were by the time we got to the vocals, we were good we were, and drunk. Yeah, very drunk. That was a large part of the band to begin with too. Was just getting it was, fucked. It was up. like a party band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was how was how. Uh, we thought about it. Um, and yeah, and that's when the whole like Yips and Yelps tracks got introduced. Just not because we added additional tracks, but because as you recorded the drums, like you're screaming, hooting and hollering. I'm just standing there hooting and hollering. Yeah. And then like as I do the guitar, we do the same thing like each time around. Yeah. So we're just, you know, we're drunk yelling at each other like, yeah, yeah fight, woo, yeah. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and then I, I'm, I mix those tracks down a couple days later just like like live mm-hmm. you know just like moving the little knobs with with my fingers and sent a bunch of stuff through like a reverb pedal in real time just to get some like crazy sounds on things mm-hmm. and that was it yeah it was like really fast like total of like six hours of, <laughs> wow of energy expended and got <laughs> i mean i it's, think it's probably it's fun. Like, like highest quality record <laughs> that's ever been produced. was that before you played your first show I honestly it's don't, so weird I don't to me remember. that you recorded an album of like well ep before you did your first show i don't know i, I don't know that i don't know that we did like we I were know, we were practicing was. we were practicing in the, the crybaby studio space underneath pike and pine and we that was in the summer of 2011 and we were just writing right, the songs right. we had no intention to record and then we stopped like we didn't i don't know if we you and, and we, we would I have think, people down there. Remember, we'd, we'd be like out partying on the hill, and then let's go back. Let's go back and drink. We'd like be, bring a case of beer and have like half a dozen people just crammed in there with us, and we would all because it was like a closet in there. Right? Yeah. And yeah. they would, yeah, we would all like drink, and we'd play them our our silly songs. Our four it was, songs. It was yeah. a lot of fun. And uh, 
And yeah, but then we stopped. We didn't do anything with it for months. And then it was just that day and we were stuck, stranded in the snowstorm. We kind of rediscovered those songs. Yeah, we were just like, man, what are we going to do? We were like, hey, let's let's like bring those songs back and like let's record because i think i think what happened is we recorded four songs i think barn was barnburner the last one or the first one well it was the last one that we wrote but it was the first one we recorded because it was really hit our stride oh we wrote we wrote a bunch of songs after barnburner that summer prior that just ended up like they were just barnburner again and again because that (laughs) was definitely our favorite song we hit a we hit a wall and i think that's why we stopped yeah 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 and then it's, so, it's still fucking weird to me to hear like I've heard these some of these I haven't heard all these stories but I've heard some of them it's so fucking weird to hear like stories from you guys about Mugatu from like before my time because it's like such a seminal part of my life and I forget constantly that it was that I was not involved for like the a good while in the beginning of they were band. they were these were simpler times <laughs> it really was like it like it was very sort of important and f- formative in in its early days. But this is like, I don't know, like a dozen times of me and Dan just like hanging out, mm-hmm. playing these songs. Okay. And then this one session. And then we did play our first show. It must have been after we recorded that, 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 was that little at the basement. Yeah. It was in the basement. I was basement party. That, this is my introduction to Bugatti. Yeah. Uh, so it was the, what you and I were going on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing with Plaxmith and Unicorn with Johnny Unicorn and you were playing with Autumn Electric and Barton was a bitch and didn't go on tour. <laughs> but I did um, play that show with Autumn Electric. But you did play that show. Yeah. Cause you were in Autumn Electric. And then, that was our like yeah, our why, goodbye why, Seattle show. Why didn't you go on tour? Because he got a job yeah, and a wife. Just, and stuff. You know, I'm working stiff with the job, and that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I and I I sometimes regret not going on tour with you guys, but yeah, you it, should. It worked out. It was awesome. Yeah, it worked, it worked out. It worked out. So, and I'd only met you guys once before that show, and then uh, I got to see the first ever Mugatu performance, and Dan's drum set fell, fell apart. apart. <laughs> like the first song. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, you guys that, were like wearing hoodie, hoodies and sunglasses, and you're just pretending to not give a shit about anything. Yeah, yeah that was our first that was, shtick. Was yeah. like we were too yeah. cool for school, mm-hmm. like Brian Jonestown Massacre. Sunglasses. Yeah, we just want. Yeah, we were wearing our hoodies and with our hoods up mm-hmm. with sunglasses. Oh fuck yeah! And just like we didn't give a shit. <laughs> I was playing my acoustic guitar, mm. and, and you didn't care. No, we didn't care about anything except that we did care when we played a really bad show. Yeah. Afterwards, we secretly cared, and I remember <laughs> Coach. Afterwards, we were just like, even he was just like, guys, that kind of sucked. <laughs> but, so from an outsider's perspective, it seemed like the point of it was to suck. You know, yeah, it, it seemed it like wasn't. It, it wasn't. I mean, in, in a funny, tiny way, like it probably yeah. was. And we didn't even realize it. Like, because that's I, the thing. We were writing these songs. They're supposed to be dumb and easy. We were trying to be aloof dicks. Right. <laughs> so if you put those two things together. It does sort of suck, like you know. Yeah, but I, it, that's like being like that's like saying you were making a well, I don't know. It's not that bad, but that's like sort of saying like you're making a shit sandwich and being like, well, I didn't want it to suck, and it's like, well, it is it's a, shit a shit sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember uh, my friend Ryan turned to me after the show, and he summed up my thoughts perfectly when he said, "I'm glad, I'm glad someone's doing that." <laughs> like that was his reaction well, to you guys. We were, were trying a thing, and it, it was is, fun. Honestly, it was fun. That show has become very important to me because I know now that I don't know when you try something new just because it doesn't work exactly the way you imagined the first time. Yeah, doesn't mean it's a failure. Doesn't mean it's a failure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, because that show wasn't great, and then but the, I think. It was like moving into like Persona Two or Shtick Two was like us 
just having fun and caring. You like, yeah, you know. it was shtick two was a huge step towards what we became, and this is our second show and the only other show that we played without you, Jesse. Yeah, and well, you... besides the one where I was out of town, where you got a sub. Oh yeah, the <laughs> oh, never again. Yeah. Well, never was, again. That was a great show. We, yeah, we it was. Oh, killed it. Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, during that show at the end of I'm a Beautiful Animal, uh, I like. G- do you remember this? I like jumped and spun around in the air and the cable came like flying out of my pedal board. There's some like really acrobatic moment that was unusual uh, for me. I think I was trying to compensate because you weren't there. You told me you told yeah. me that like because I wasn't there, you felt like you had to perform bigger. Because yeah. I, I was the one who was always Scott, jumping around. Scott was our ringer, and he totally pulled it off and was like great to step in and played the bass lines well enough, and that was good. He was a very talented but musician. Scott's a, Scott's a shoegazer. Yeah, but I yeah, feel yeah. like your level of performance was like when I came home, it was up. Like you're you're movement on stage stayed up after that show yeah which is awesome it was it was nice it was was really nice being in a band where we like cared about being good even though like the content wasn't necessarily like life or death or serious you know it was just like we were just playing because we wanted to and but we still we still cared enough to like to rehearse and to be good performers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that second show at Unicorn Meat Parade. Our our second shtick was that we were like athletes and we dressed in like <laughs> I gym shorts, that. gym clothes. <laughs> and the band prior to us, we did like laps around the venue <laughs> the whole time yeah, to like get ready did, and then like sidestep, yeah, do and, like, like crab, jumping crab jacks. walks and high <laughs> knees oh, and like butt <laughs> kicks. And coach was sort of following us around with and like making sure we were yeah. staying hydrated with cheap whiskey. And, how did, uh, okay, how did coach get involved? Mm, like what? At what point did you he, decide you had a coach? In was he band? introducing us like right off the bat? Was that? I think so. I think he introduced. He definitely introduced it, us at the first show because uh, so uh, when I lived with him and Michael. Uh, um, Jeremy got me Jeremy's coach for those listening. Uh, Jeremy got me really into MC5 and the opening of their uh, live album, Kick Out the Jams. Uh, they have their spiritual gu- uh, guide come out and give this, like, uh, brothers and sisters, I want to see you see hands. Oh, really? <laughs> I want to see some revolution out there. It just takes five seconds. Five seconds decision to decide whether you're part of the problem or part of the solution. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the testimonial, the MC5, and it's like, wow. and I was just like, that's the fucking coolest <laughs> shit on the planet. That's like exactly what we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize we were ripping something up. Uh, and so I was just like, I was like, Jeremy, you got to be like a rock and roll coach. Like, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, the equivalent of our like spirit guide. Uh, uh, yeah, and th- that's how that came about. Yeah, so the yeah. second show, I was playing at that show, but I missed you guys because John and I had to go out and do something, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, after that show, we nailed it. I mean, like, it didn't, obviously, it was, we, we had no idea the heights that we would eventually climb to as a band, but at the time, that was it. we nailed it, and I remember afterwards, because we still didn't have any distinct plans on, like, making this a band that we would pursue or practice for or anything. Yeah. But I, and I can remember you and I talking afterwards and being like, if that, if that's our last show, like I'm actually <laughs> cool with it. Like that first one we've, we fucked up even for us, but like this Redemption. one, this one, like we, I, this is how I wanted it to sound. I was like this, we did the thing. It sounded the way that I heard in my head. Yeah. And like, if this is it, then that's okay. Yeah. We did it, man. But so, then we we hadn't actually done it yet. <laughs> we did far more incredible things. Yeah, and I think for a while we were kind of like 
I think we talked about maybe getting another member, mm-hmm. and then it was we were just kind of like, nah. It, 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 I think I think it became like a thing out of like it would just be too hard to like organize it or like find the right person, and then a friend of mine from Boston who I was in a band with came out and we went, I went and picked him up at the airport and was like, Oh shit, I'm supposed to have band practice. Uh, do you want to play bass with us? And he's like, yeah, sure, man. I'm like, songs are super easy. And then like, and uh, you know, this man flew like six hours across the country, got in a car and an hour later was like playing music with us. You know? Uh, but he like, uh, do you remember that night when Brad played bass with us? No, <laughs> that was that. Was, but that was like the night that we were like, "Oh, we need a bass player. We need." A- I I vaguely remember this. This was still a crybaby. No, no, no. Was this, that your house? This is when we were at my twenty uh, third uh, in Madison. That house was so fucking great. Yeah, um, yeah, and then and then when we toured together, yeah, that was like we oh. like fell in love. I was like Jesse. <laughs> Jesse would be perfect for Magatti. So, That's well, why when we toured together, I used to come up on stage and play tambourine. With Autumn Electric, just to get you juiced up. Oh, it would get me so juiced. It would get you yeah, so... Yeah. And I would, like, have the best fucking time. And, like, I... Okay, before this, I was, like... Like, I when I grew up, I was in, like, symphony and stuff. And I always was, I was way too serious about myself. And then I was getting up on stage and playing tambourine mm-hmm. just to get another man excited. <laughs> and it was, like, the most satisfying thing I'd ever done. Yeah, that tour was a lot of fun. We, we had the best fucking time. And like, I was playing drums in my band. You were playing drums in your band. And we became drum buddies. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, uh, what's what's worse than one drummer? Two drummers. Two drummers, yeah. Like, when I was playing <laughs> drums, like, you you would, like, be in the audience, like... Like like playing in the air or shit. Like you like you play tambourine sometimes with us, and mm-hmm. it would get me really juiced up. Just like you and I playing music together is like really intense. Yeah, like, and then we did that. We did that show in Olympia at Lavoyer, and that's Dragon what? Fest, dude. No, well, oh, it's the same day. Yeah, it was the same day. And I was there then. I, yeah, you were there. We had, we had that then. drive back. I was like, we should have Jesse come with us. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. Then, yeah. So in the car, you guys asked me if I wanted to be a Mugatu, and like my first instinct in my head was like. <laughs> Nah, <laughs> I was like, nah, I don't think so. But I, so that was what I wanted to say. But then I thought about it for a second, and I was like, well, I want to put a band together to play my sci-fi songs, and these guys would be good for that. So maybe if I play with them and we got to, they'll want to play sci-fi music with me too. Like maybe this could be a good way to see if we play well together. So I said yes, um, for a completely different reason than wanting to be in the band. Yeah. Um, well, and I think you're pretty vocal about it anyway. I think you were pretty like, yeah, I'm not sure about this, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Which I, it was a period of my life where I was just trying new shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I was never like into partying or anything. And well, I just think by the end of that first rehearsal, we're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah this yeah, is definitely going to yeah. work. Yeah. It was weird. Like, I was a little embarrassed at first because it was such like a dumb band. <laughs> but I was having so much fun. Like, it was just the most fun thing I'd ever done. And it kind of changed what I thought music was because in my mind music was like serious and important and then I did something that felt better than anything I'd ever done I'm like no music is fun dude like music is just fun for me we probably all had different moments where we realized that like while Mugatu was always dumb (laughs) that it there was (laughs) real value to it right um and I for me it and I don't know but for you guys maybe it was the first time that like someone outside of it like really loved it because people responded to it even from the very beginning, not at that one show in the basement, but like <laughs> even at our like, silly little crybaby like non shows beforehand, like people fucking loved it and our shitty recordings people loved. And I yeah. remember playing them for Val 
my wife Val for the first time and you know, it was after the snowstorm, mix them down, like play them for her. And they and are, of course, they I, are rough and they're, <laughs> they're super rough. And I was like, you know, part of autumn electric written so many of my own songs, just finished like two years of like music composition, graduate school, doing very, very serious work in a variety of ways. And she listened and she was like, I think that maybe this is like the best music you've ever made. That's what she said. That was like her first. I, and you and know, my, and I it know, immediately I know. made me hear with new eyes. I was like, wait a minute. I thought this was like a lark. Yeah. Is there right. like any chance that this is actually kind of real? Well, it's just, we were, I, I'm going to be jerking us off a little bit here, but I feel like we were doing shit that other people weren't doing. Uh, yeah. I feel, and secretly wanted to. Secretly wanted to. Other people secretly wanted to. Well, I, I well, think we, we we have fun. We had fun on stage. Like yeah. I, I don't know there, and we we there was like pageantry, and there I just feel like you <laughs> all could, the pageantry. I, you know, it's like uh, <laughs> there's plenty of bands that I really like where I go to see them live, and it's just like a bunch of dudes in fucking t-shirts and jeans, like hash, you know, hammering out their songs. Yeah, and sure, it sounds good, but like I don't know. I always. I I I always kind of had the idea that like concerts were supposed to be something more that you're like that people work fucking like forty hours a week at jobs that they don't particularly like and the the least we could do as performers is make them forget about that for like a half hour at a time mm-hmm. right totally mm-hmm. yeah and I in my bands when I was a kid I always wanted to do more wear costumes like I wanted at one point I wanted to get a wireless rig so I could like move more and my drummer's like dude that's fucking pretentious you can't do that that's like really fucking yeah terrible. you need to stay plugged in man right. <laughs> and, and, um, and, I, and I wanted to like wear co- or coordinate what we were wearing as a band and the band was like duh you can't fucking do that like you just have to you have to you have to wear something that's gonna look like you're not trying but you have to try really hard to do that yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like see I like like when you see us in our costumes except I I like uh, admittedly I had like two moo so I wasn't trying very hard <laughs> but like it was like I don't know it was like uh it's it, it, it is showtime now right you know like uh it's more honest because that's how that music should look mm-hmm. it's like if you played that music in like day clothes it would be weird it would the, so I, my first show with you guys was at the Shanty Tavern. Yeah, for yeah, that rap party. Yeah. yeah, the rap party for that movie you were in. Mm-hmm. And there was that like crazy drunk guy in the back who was like, uh, "Oh, so we we started playing and Barton had all this feedback because Barton always feeds back, right?" And the guy's like, "You know, if you turn down the gain and turn up the volume, it won't feed back so much." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grandpa, we he know. meant well. <laughs> yeah, he meant well, but. These were different times. Yeah. This is this is the first time in my life that I ever played like super drunk. Where like we just drank a ton, and then we did the whole athletic thing. And the reason I drank that much is because I was like embarrassed to be a part of this outfit. <laughs> um, like getting up in front of people and doing this thing that we'd been doing by ourselves in your house for fun was like really alien to me. To just wear to like finally wear a costume on stage and be super flamboyant and weird like i didn't really know what to do so i just drank a lot just to kind of get over myself and i was doing like yoga in the parking lot when, when you guys were like running laps and shit um <laughs> but we just like had a blast like we had yeah. so much fun and everyone there fucking loved it they loved it and we were taking photos with everyone afterwards and people loved it yeah that was yeah and we started do it well i, I guess so, kind so of like you must have then like you must you went into that show nervous and embarrassed but with the response we got you must have left 
like at the end of the day when you went to bed that night, you must yeah. have known that like your perceptions must have changed a little bit. A little bit, but not much um, because I was so drunk. Because like, so, so what? Eventually, when did you realize? Um, that you had unwittingly joined one of the greatest bands. It took me a ever. while. It took me a while. Because you remember we did a a practice party where like a bunch of people came over. Those were so much fun. Those practice Those, parties. We did a we did a practice party at, at Dan's place and my friend Yana came over and I could like see in her face that she didn't know what to make of it. Cause like I I had presented myself to her probably like pretentiously where I'm like, here's my like serious music that I make, you know? Mm -hmm. And then she comes over to see me play and it's just like, wow, just like crazy rock shit. Uh, and coach was like awful to her that night. He said some like horrible, like sexist joke to her that, uh, and then I saw the whole, was a loose can. (laughs) But I mean, coach, dude, you got to fucking love coach. Um, coach, coach is a loose cannon. Yeah. Yeah. so that's why I hang with Coach. Yeah, and then we're all partying. Like we probably took pills or something and drank oh, a we bunch. And most certainly took and, pills. Yeah, yeah. So and even at the, like at that party, I was still kind of embarrassed. Like our next show, I was. What was our next show after that? I don't remember. I don't remember. Well, how how long was it from there until the Fun House? We had a handful of shows. By the time we yeah. got to the Fun House, we like knew what we were doing. Fun House. Was the, the Fun House is wings. the moment. That's the moment okay. where I knew. So Barton, like you and I were thinking, well, let's get some new costumes. Let's like, let's get out of this athletic gear. And then I, I, we were on the hill someday and we ended up buying those wings and then we brought them to practice. And then all three of us wore wings and we videotaped it just to see what it looked like. And we looked at the video and we're like, whoa, like that looks kind of red. <laughs> and, there's, and then the face paint started. And the face oh, paint. Yeah, the face paint. Yeah. So we played that show at the, at the, the fun house. And I know I was like really fucked up at that show. Like I had taken tramadol and like had a bunch to drink, and uh, I was wearing Batman underwear and tights. No shit, I'm wrong. It was before that. It was the the Unicorn Meat Parade show. It was the first time that I played almost naked. That's the moment where I realized that we were doing something special. <laughs> um, it was the the weather party at the Unicorn Meat Parade, and I I dressed as Rain, I think, and I was wearing like just like fishnet tights and Batman underwear, and then like this blue. Um, like streamers that I wrapped around my neck and Courtney was in town visiting that girl that I was seeing Courtney who's like awesome and we just had the best fucking show and I'd never played naked on stage before I'd always been really uncomfortable with my body and never felt like people would want to look at me naked and then like just felt like it was the well I didn't mean to do it like my costume fell apart <laughs> and then I ended up just playing in like underwear and fishnets and then there was this moment of like horrifying like nudity that I had on stage. But then I realized that no one gave a shit and that people were like really excited. And I looked out in the audience and there was like people eye fucking me. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like, what is happening? What are we doing? And I just like, and then I would also look out in the audience and see people just happy, you know, like people were just kind of like open and smiling and dancing in a way that no one had ever done at any show that I'd ever played. There's, I've, I feel like we just don't, you don't get to be sad at a Magatu show. Right. Like, we just... And you don't get to be self-conscious either. I, like... I also think Unicorn Meat Parade was the perfect environment for that to sort of develop in. We played so many shows there. Mm -hmm. That was, like, the incubation chamber for us. We're, like, (laughs) it was, like... I think then our our practice parties. Yeah, Practice parties do so good. But then we played the Funhouse after that. First show in Wings. I was super fucked up, and... I felt like a goddamn diva for the first time in my life. I felt like I'd reached my potential as a performer. And it was just like the most 
amazing moment. And it, I didn't give a shit if anyone liked the show for the first time. Where like you, Dan, that's the show where like I was rolling around on my back and you jumped off the drum set and straddled me and started making out with me, <laughs> which started this thing started that happened for about phase. a year yeah. where like we'd all kind of make out on stage for a while. Your pansexual band, yeah, yeah, uh, which your wife finally just vetoed. Oh, <laughs> uh, it just ended naturally, I think, at least for some of us for you yeah. <laughs> uh, and me <laughs> yeah for no, everyone know. but me <laughs> jesse jesse still looking around on stage looking like, to make no out one with wants someone. to make out <laughs> uh yeah i fucking gave every and i say this without hyperbole yeah i gave that band performance wise everything that i absolutely had. in the moment in the mo- like when we went on stage until we ran off it following our final song it, everything, absolutely everything, every fiber. Yeah, I, I would be wastedly <laughs> exhausted for days after any show, big <laughs> mm-hmm. or like small. So sore, the like my neck would hurt would so just bad. Be extinguished, yeah. and I would feel really good. Like you felt like you just fought and won a battle. But you, I would just There's be. A price. At, I'd be at work <laughs> the next day, just like just yeah. limp but the uh, euphoria is the only thing that gets you through because it generates like so much euphoria oh yeah no that's after, it's, it's the most fun thing i've ever done ever. yeah after the dark knight rises came out i, I anytime we did a a show i'd always think about that scene where the like, Catwoman's was like you don't owe these people anything you've given them everything and the batman's like not everything <laughs> not yet <laughs> like, just, like every show I'm just like i'm giving them everything i fucking yeah. have and then um, I feel like right, they don't deserve it, but I'm fucking giving it to them. Yeah. The next step in our like evolution was the sunset where we played the worst show we'd ever played. Oh, oh we yeah. tried a new shtick. Yeah. The okay. whole S and M. And that, and that, I mean, to, to go back to what you said, just because it wasn't excessive the first time doesn't mean it was a failure. This is that, that's, <laughs> it was true in this case. Well, the first time we tried something new, well, it was the other okay. thing. The thing about that first show <laughs> and about the sunset show is, just because it failed the first time doesn't mean it was a failure, but you still have to look at it when it doesn't work and be like, maybe something's got to change. We played that first show. It's the only time we did our too cool for school shtick. Mm-hmm. And then we realized that like maybe playing like this like very unusual music, but like pretending that we don't care about anybody, <laughs> maybe that's not the way to present it. So then we tried doing this thing where we were more enthusiastic and it worked. Yeah. And in the same way, it's like, well, the music wasn't a failure, but we only did that bondage gear thing once. But let's let's describe what we did. <laughs> hey, wait, yeah. uh, we wore bondage gear, and Dan wore a gimp mask, <laughs> and and we walked on stage, Barton dragging Dan wearing a gimp With mask a leash. by a leash, yeah. and Dan was barking like a dog. <laughs> At the, the sunset in Ballard, which, which is like is a quiet, a quaint shop. community, people like it's a pizza shop. Did not like it. I no, mean, no. And then we proceeded to play the worst, the worst set ever. That show, the very first song we played, the very first <laughs> note of the very first song, the string of my guitar broke. <laughs> like, I, it's the first time my pick touched the string. Oh it broke. God. It's not a good sign. No, no, and then and then I got your flying V, which looks cool, but you. 
just because you probably hadn't strung in a while and you back in the day you're just you're all just playing wanky soloy <laughs> shit and you just had like the slinkiest lightest i'm used to i need to strum that fucking i beat yeah. the shit out of what do you guitar. play 12s i had 10s on I, there i just use 11s but there were 10s on old 10s which are like loose loosey-goosey i felt like nines they were just like <laughs> i could like barely grip chords because i was like oh trying God. to hold them hard and they yeah. like strings, made out of butter. strings were just moving around <laughs> under and my i fingers. was wearing a leather thong for the first time yeah. on stage and i was not confident I, about that i we I didn't test out the gimp mask. You couldn't like fucking breathe. I know, and I couldn't hear. Yeah, it was pressed so tight against my ears <laughs> that I couldn't hear anything you guys were playing. And I was just like, oh, no. and so I was like trying, like I was like trying to play with one hand and like doing. Oh my god! Oh, it was horrible. We definitely did it to ourselves, but it was awful. It, and was, it was embarrassing. It I mean, to get up on stage in like. Oh, with crazy bondage and leather, bomb. and we were also wearing like rain, light rings Those were on cool. our fingers. Those were cool. And Mark got great photos. Yeah, yeah the pictures but... from that night looked like we were awesome, but oh, we weren't. We were not. No, that was <laughs> the, that was the worst show. The worst show. The... But then we had a huddle after, and so the show was going terrible. And I remember Dan like screaming at the audience, like clap, like fucking enjoy yourselves, like have fun. We're here to entertain you, and you must enjoy it. Like you really like upset at the audience. Yeah, I was upset at myself. You know? No, no, I mean I. <laughs> We were all upset at the audience because, like, yeah. we're trying something and it's failing, and the audience is like silent, and it's just the worst feeling in the universe. But then we had a huddle after. It was like, what if we, what if instead of doing this, we decide that we love the audience? That like, no matter what happens, like we are making this like bubble of love around right. the audience. And then we all kind of came to this agreement that that's what we were gonna do. And that the next show on is what I consider to be like modern Mugatu, like what we became, which was like, pe- that's when people started coming up to me and telling me they were having spiritual experiences <laughs> after shows. Yeah, to me, that's when I learned the lesson. It's not, hey, look how weird we are. Yeah. It's, hey, come be weird with us. Yes, totally. You know, like, let's, we're going to have fun. We're going to be a little weird, but in the most accessible way, like, we love you. Yeah. And, and like, and like, we'll be accepting. <laughs> And we Fuck won't you, be aloof Miles. and we won't Miles alienate you. To kill we won't alienate you by yelling wearing at gimp you. masks. Yell, yelling at you or or just and not that there's anything wrong with, with wearing gimp masks, but it's not like a an approachable. Well thing. when you combine it with barking like a dog, it's it's a little <laughs> I made it's it really, frightening. I made it really aggressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta pee like crazy. Alright. Go <laughs> I gotta get back. We should talk a little more and then we should all hang out. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay, cool. so so we just got to the place where we became like modern Mugatu. Mm-hmm. Modern Mugatu. Yeah. Oh, so, that's Megalodon territory. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. like... This is when we started writing Megalodon. Oh, you notice, real quick, I, I, before I forget it again, uh, I knew... I, I, uh, when, I was young, when I was younger, what I'm about to say used to really discourage me, but now when I hear stuff like this, it really encourages me with what I'm doing. Uh, when I, I uh, presented Megalodon, Megatu, to a lot of my friends on the East Coast, and all of them would be like, why aren't there any, you know, you guys should have lyrics. Or like, <laughs> how come the songs aren't longer? And, and just like the more court criticism I got, I'd be like, oh, you just don't get it. Right. You don't get it. And that like, and to me, that was like, oh, we are kind of like, onto something new right like uh even because if- people were getting it that's like the the crazy thing is that people were really fucking latching onto it 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so then when people were like, oh, it needs it needs lyrics or they need to be like, do that chorus again. It's like, no, no, no. We that's not the point of the music. Like, right. Man, thank God for that one tiny <laughs> like three sentence review that the stranger gave <laughs> oh us my one God. time. When, like, clear, I don't know, it was sort of random. Let's be fair, it was a paragraph. Yeah, it was was a paragraph. We didn't solicit them at all. We didn't even know it. Someone pointed it out to us after a show at the Blue Moon. And then we, like, I can remember we went to Aladdin's and got falafel and and read it. And it was, like, such great validation. And, I mean, then, like, we never really, neither pursued nor accrued any, like, real press or anything. Right. But for someone who just, like, they're not even our friends or like people we would solicit feedback from they're not even someone who went to our show they were just like cruising around like listening to bands that were playing at seattle venues so that that they could like do a nice write-up of a few something yeah yeah, recommend something like find a variety of things that were going on and like found our webpage listen to our recordings and just like responded to it so nicely and actually liked the short songs and the whole like well, no like, frills. Yeah, no frills. Frill. It was all frills, like fr- frill rock. All bridge. Yeah, that <laughs> just a really nice little moment of validation for me in that regard. You she know? said it's this music is either no frills or all frills. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, and I remember I played, I played Mugatu for a friend on the East Coast who was like really into, he was a really, really into Bled Out, the my, my the band that I had in Boston. Yeah. And he was like, it's like you just cloned yourself and started a band (laughs) (laughs) he was like how did you find people that like share like your brain like your musical brain i was like i don't know they're like way better musicians than i (laughs) and it was interesting because we like we truly wrote songs together i mean Mm -hmm. there was no like i think in the beginning like barton would bring in ideas or dan would bring in ideas uh i never brought in any fucking ideas but uh like when I joined the band, I I always felt like we were just writing songs together. They would just happen. Songs would just happen to us. Yeah, remember like V neck Jesus. Like it just happened. Barton was in the bathroom and we just started yeah. jamming on it, and then Barton like runs like wait 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like someone would have like an idea. Like Dan would say, "Hey, let's write a song where we don't change chords," and then we have like Ode to Big Girls a couple minutes later. Yeah. Or like I'd start playing that bass line, and it became V neck Jesus a couple minutes later. Or like Barton would. Uh, oh fuck, Barton! <laughs> we, we wrote V neck Jesus at a, pra- uh, at a, at a practice, practice party. party. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fucking. I sorry, there's just something cool about that. Yeah, know? yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that, I, I guess the, minutes, but that's that still technically seconds. But like that was only those like, every everything had to be intuitive or it right. wasn't worth doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And we like found a way to channel intuitiveness where well, but we do it like all together. Mm-hmm. We just all, all three kind of became so on the same page that when one of us started playing something, the other would just know where it was gonna go and mm-hmm. then the third would also know and then it would just be a song. And and I mean not just that, but like we all had veto power. So if anyone didn't like anything that anyone else was doing, we just threw it out. And there was like no ego involved in that, which was really hard for me at first. Cause I, I don't know if you guys know this about me. Mm. I have a gigantic ego. <laughs> um, 
but I mean, this was like really like healing for me as a person to be with a group of people who I like trusted and respected and loved who could tell me like, no, throw that away. And then we just move on. And it was fine. It was like no judgment. Like, oh, you came up with this bad part. Nothing like that. She's like, no, that doesn't work for the song. Let's try something else. And then we'd find something that all three of us loved for every song. And mm-hmm. then we were all 100% on board for every song. And I think maybe that's why our performance got to like such a crazy like fever pitch of like mansplosion later on. There, there's also, I don't know, I'm thinking about things in a... Something about what you just said, Dan, about how your friend said that it sounded like you cloned yourself a few times. And I'm just thinking through that because we three are all quite different from one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we're, we're similar in some ways, and obviously we share similar, some we're Similar in the right ways. Similar yeah. in the right ways, but, like, we're all very different. And, and it's funny because, like, Mugatu feels like... I feel like any... You, you might look at any one of us and, like, assume that if you know us, someone who knows you or knows me or knows you might be like, oh, yeah, well, of course, like, that's, like, Jesse's band or Dan's band or Barton's band because it's it's very, it is very me and you. But I don't know, like, in the be- in the beginning, what am I trying to say? Like, you were, you were like, loud and unapologetic and like brash in your performance style and just in your over in just in your life um in a way that i never was i was like much more not timid but like reserved or serious or something and like but it wasn't like the band when we like took on that sort of like brash and loud and unapologetic style it wasn't like that was like oh that's like dancing that's how he wants the band to be but like something like for some reason like via by association like i wanted like I wanted that too. Like you like helped me want that. Yeah. And like it became, hmm. and like I like found that in me. Yeah. And so it I, wasn't, I would think and, the same and, and, thing. And yeah. no point did I feel, and then like you, Jesse, like you're like performance style and your flamboyance. <laughs> then like I wanted that too. And it wasn't like Jesse was like, let's like be glittery and flamboyant and wear like, I mean, we were already wearing costumes, but we weren't wearing like fabulous costumes before, you know? Yeah. And like, there was like a whole a whole element there and it wasn't like you were like pressing that you just brought it to the table and then we all jumped like, on board like, we were like yeah. oh that is the best thing to do and right. then <laughs> and then we started doing it and i i don't know what i brought but i know that i brought a whole lot of stuff i mean like we were all just like bringing everything that we liked it was just like this this is fun or, or i like this yeah. i don't know something about you it you brought like, you brought an aesthetic like you have a very particular vision yeah well you both do so when i joined the band i had no fucking idea what i was doing there like i felt like like the uncool kid at the cool kids table i think as far as like our like for lack of a better term like our brand like you really like set that of like i agree yeah like what our like initial posters look like and like what the event page for facebook uh shows you know like the, the the those things like that's all you and just they were brilliant like you have such a you you like found the voice of our band so easily and quickly yeah i felt like from the two of you i kind of like learned the rules of the band for like the first several months that i was there and then i then i started suggesting things also Mm because i had to like you two seem to have just like this really like uh i don't know you just vibed on what you wanted to do and I wanted to be a part of it. Once I kind of got on board, once I got over my initial embarrassment, I'm like, 
this is fucking rad. Like, I want to be a part of this. And then I'm, it was after the the Sunset Show where we played terribly in the bondage leather where I I made this but, decision. Jesse, you did bring the bondage leather. Yeah, that was your idea. Oh, sure. But no, no, no. But th- that show, no, I was like, well, I was well on board at that point. I don't know. But, who, who gave it to yeah. us? <laughs> that, that was a show where I decided, before that show, I decided that, like, I'm giving my whole body to this band where, like, I'm going to get up on stage in a leather thong and it's going to be fine because I'm giving my body to this band because by giving to the band, like I will get something back from the audience. And I didn't that time, but like in the future, I absolutely did, mm-hmm. you know, but, but yeah, so like you two both had this like great vision that was very different. Like Dan, I feel like our, like our easiness of doing things came from you mm-hmm. where you're just like, if it's not easy, throw it away. And then I think our kind of like, like our simplicity, I think, came from you, Barton. Where like the idea of we don't have words, I think, came from you. Like yeah, you just, I was really into that. Well, yeah. I was. I always just. I I think. It's all. That's, I mean, that came from like Sex Bomb. <clears throat> like you listen to the the, the opening but, song. But most Sex Bomb songs have have words. I but think it, it was. But def- it's a, we are Sex Bomb one two, th- and it's just like oh, yeah. yeah oh, oh, oh. I I think also. <laughs> so I, I didn't have a stroke. I think so. it did. <laughs> it did have to do just because. In the beginning, you were playing drums, I was playing guitar. We were both, like, ostensibly singing, but simply by virtue of, like, uh, holding a guitar. It was, was harmonized yelling. I was yelling. more inclined to sing. Yeah, organized yeah, yelling. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, like, by ju- just by being the person who was mostly singing in the beginning, and I had always, for years, just wished that I didn't have to write words in order to write songs. <laughs> and, like, writing words is great, and lately I've been a big fan of it, and... And at times, like, you want to write songs with words, but it always frustrated me that it had to be, it was like a prerequisite. It was like, you you, you, you didn't have a finished song until you'd written some words to it. But and we that's didn't like, want instrumentals. And that's like, come so. on, m- fucking Mozart got to write all his songs without words. <laughs> like, there's just different styles of music where, like, yeah. you don't have to write some fucking, like, introspective poetry about yourself and your sadness or whatever else you want to write songs about. Well, to, we also, to, in order to have a song that people can respond to, like lots of music doesn't have words right now in like 2000 and well, 11 at the time. Um, like pretty much all music, popular music has words, but, but fuck that. I was so glad we, we, we broke that for a little bit. Yeah. Like it just wasn't what it was about. It was about energy. Yeah. And, but I mean, when we put in words, it would be, in a really like simple, honest way that worked, one, like Mount Saint Hella over yeah. and over again. <clears throat> yeah, which is great. Which yeah, I remember. Oh man, I remember uh, the chorus to Mount Saint Hella. No, it was the verse came to me like in the shower, and that's when I was like, wow, I'm like, I'm like fucking in this band now. Like <laughs> this shit's coming to me in the shower. You know, my one of my favorite. Uh, we got two memories is when we were recording Megalodon when we wrote uh, James Earl Jones. Oh yeah, and he, like Barton come uh, things before you got there. And Barton's like, yeah, I'm working on this new song where, like, it does this really cool like Rocky Chucky thing, and then just like in the middle, it does kind of like this kind of like Lion King thing. And that's just like <laughs> that's like the reference that I keep thinking. But we got to do something else. Is like, no, what? If, what if we just do the Lion King? Thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And it just ended up working out so well.
That song somehow epitomized me epitomized the band well yeah uh without fail the audience when we played that song live would they would be like ear to ear smiles when they realized that was a real crowd pleaser when they realized what we were doing it would be ear to ear smiles Uh, someone asked me a while ago they were like hey did your band like ever play cover songs and i was like no no we never played Wait a minute. We kind, we kind of we cover kind of, the circle of life by, <laughs> by Lion King. <laughs> but we, like, but so briefly. You yeah. know, I, know, just I, know. I mean, it's not a cover song at all, of course. But, like, I was like, you know what? We actually did, for, like, there was, there is a moment where we pull in music that, like, is explicitly and known to everyone, like, not yeah. by us. Uh, yeah. yeah. Megal- recording Megalodon was awesome. It was awesome. That, like, was I, awesome. that album is one of my proudest achievements as a human and we were talking about this earlier it's like not really accessible like no no well i think we we still have never done this but we should have just started we should just release it as a single track like it's a single like what is it like 14 minutes or something Something like that (laughs) 14 minute track because they just the songs don't run together appropriately for singles um, for singles and even just on Bandcamp, like the moment of it's so it's so unsatisfying super jarring and super yeah. unsatisfying and like yeah they're just not songs like that is one piece i remember like being at the rehearsal space yeah, and eden. people thinking eden thought we were like a prog rock band like he's like that song was 15 minutes long i was like no that was 12 songs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know when we started doing the thing where the end of one song is the beginning of another i have no idea when that started i know that it was, was very early awesome. i know we i know we were doing it for shows because that's like oh yeah that it like oh yeah that's no why my first it. show we did that because you guys are just like well our songs are like a minute long so we have to do four of them together to make a set yeah so that it's not like a obnoxiously oh, yeah. short and i think our, i think that showed unicorn me parade that second show we had sets that was the mm-hmm. first time we introduced it because we had written m- m- four out of the five songs for i'm a beautiful animal at the time v-neck jesus was the one that like because then you re- then you joined the band shortly after we wrote v-neck jesus and yeah. recorded those five yeah and we had the two sets we had like the original songs and then the i'm a beautiful animal songs <laughs> and then like and that like i get that from like Listening to like Pink Floyd, where just like it, do, like albums don't stop until yeah. they're done. And I'm oh, like, I've always been so into that. I was so pumped that we were doing that. I I, I don't think I'll, I, I especially like I don't know if I don't know. Uh, I doubt I, I say I'm, not, I'm never gonna play live again. I'll I might play music live at some point. You're gonna Dan, play music live, Dan. Just you know, we've we've all been watching you over the past few years. You say I'm always going to, or I'm never going to do things all the time. I know. No, you I'm... are full of shit. Like, <laughs> but I'm like I, I right now I have no interest in like playing my own music live. Mm-hmm. Like, I, uh, but if I do, there'll not be there'll be no high. Uh, like yeah, I uh, it'll be like I we come out of stage, we play the songs. For like 45 minutes, and then we just leave. There's the only no... reason, at least in the beginning, that Mugatu ever broke between songs was out of sheer physical necessity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, like, we weren't <laughs> able to continue playing without breathing in between. But we did realize that, like, the audience, they want an opportunity to, to wildly <laughs> applause. Yeah. Do, you re- yeah. do you remember how we, we actually had to have a talk about this, about giving more space between sets? For people to show appreciation. <laughs> and then us, because we're just like, because it'd be like a set would end and be like, thank you, we are Megatu, we love you. One, One two, two, three, four. <laughs> just like right back into it. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, stop. we have to stop and breathe. Man, I'm, when we recorded, the first album I recorded with you guys was I'm a Beautiful Animal. And then you, I, I've like spent I, so much time being good at recording shit. And then you guys are just like, well, we have rules. We have to record the whole thing in a day and we have to be done with it the next day. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so we recorded that entire album in one day and then mixed and mastered it the next day and it was done. Yeah, it's good. I like I'm a Beautiful Animal. No, I love it. I mean, it's great. But then like the next time I was like, fuck you guys. Like we're doing this. I want to I want to capture our sound. Like I as as well as we can. I do like that we that every one of our records has been made very super different. 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 Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Megalodon that was the thing. To, it was oh good that you I insisted. I love that album. Because it sounds like being at a live show. Yeah. yeah it sounds ours. incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, may I present to you the ambassadors of the obscene, the delegates of the fiend, the titans of the extreme. It's the dimension ego of nothing retro. It's the port of prize, your side of fries, the cheese of your fucking burger. Now we throw it to the mass of the past so you no longer grasp. Because let's face it, this is the love you know will always last. So if you're ready, you got the seed, the greed, the need to fulfill and prepare yourselves for the all-knowing, all-seeing, hard-rocking, fist-fucking face horse of Sputnik. There is no countdown. The time is now. So tip your hats and lift your skirts. on this new album that we don't know what it's called yet something in some ways i feel like because it is so we had that very first recording just that like momentary tape recorder ep that was like very lo-fi and very just very lo-fi and we had <laughs> i'm a beautiful animal which was like it was we had amped up our sound like our sound was big it wasn't casual and lo-fi and like yeah jangly it was like oh we're like a big fucking arena rock band but we still like record with haste and it was like it was like an act of efficiency and power mm -hmm. and like like this is it and then megalodon was that was pristine like that was we're gonna like actually take a moment and introspect like what do we sound like how yeah. does this sound like let's actually capture it with uh with like care and and still intensity, but like, but with care. Yeah. And this one, in some ways, it's like a return to all of those things. It totally. I was gonna like, say the same fucking it's, thing. It's like yeah. we're, it, we're we're like taking all the 
all of our favorite elements from all of those approaches. And like part of that is care and like by sheer necessity and because of the fact that now we live in different places and it's, it's we are taking more time to do it. Yeah. But it uh, it There's has a, that lo-fi we, aesthetic. We recorded, we did all the basic tracking in two days. Yeah. Right? Which we did with Megalodon too, truthfully. No, 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 yeah. I know, like, but I'm just saying, like, it happened super quick. It did, The recording happened super quick and the development of the sound, like, we are, we brought that original tape machine back that yeah. the first recordings God, were made on. It, so good. it adds such a cool layer to the sound. Yeah, but we're yeah. still, like, we, but we took time to, like, get our sounds. We did one thing which we never did before, which I always wanted to do which was like well let's record a million guitars and so we we had like a whole separate like guitar recording session where we recorded acoustic guitars again just like on the first album like distorted acoustic guitars and just additional guitars that we could have like lots of takes with like wild effects and noise and feedback and we just like did it all like let's do all the things this time Yeah. yeah like i i had amassed this like library of studio recording techniques that i'd wanted to use with mugatu and we did that on Megalodon, and it sounded like it sounds, awesome. I fucking yeah. love the way Megalodon sounds. Oh yeah, yeah. But then for the for the new album, the yet to be released album, uh, I threw away like everything uh, that I knew about recording techniques, and I was just like, well, let's. I'm just gonna try some shit and see what happens. Uh, and then like Barton, you brought the tape machine in, and like, yeah, let's run a, a room mic through this. I was like, holy shit, it sounds incredible, and that kind of became the basis for the sound. So what's happened? It just it's becoming this thing that. Like, no one of us could have made. Just like the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. Like, the sound of the album itself is something that no one of us could have made. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like a confluence of the three of us. And we were listening to it yesterday, and I kept thinking, like, the whole band sounds like one instrument. It doesn't sound like well-mixed instruments. It sounds like one instrument. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so cool. Like, what a cool way to record rock music, to have it feel like a giant fucking monster instrument. <laughs> just like coming in your face it sounds mad it sounds <laughs> like madness to me yeah i think this is like i think this might be like you know sure it's we write poppy music but i think this might be our dark album maybe you know like because yeah, the first one is really light the yeah. first one's uh nah, 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 mm-hmm. and it was slower than we play them now and it's yeah. just like this is silly um this one is fucking intense like it it's really really heavy but out of love man yeah, yeah. it's been i think that's why it's been so slow to be album. finished is because yeah. so i mean now that like barton you moved away uh like dan you don't give a shit about how like it's mixed or mastered like i mean you care but no, like I, you don't like I, want to necessarily be involved not, it's not that i it's not that i don't care it's that i trust you and, yeah yeah and, and so, like you'll uh, whatever Whatever input I would have would not drastically alter the course of the mixing process. Yeah, like when we did Megalodon, Barton would come over and sit while I would mix and master everything because he wanted to like have his say, and, and his say made a huge difference in, yeah, in and what we did, the, which the, is awesome. If I left between you to do it, Jesse, it would have just been... It would have been terrible. It would have been terrible. <laughs> but now like, I'm just like here by myself like trying to finish it, and I'm sad because the band's over, and I'm sad because my best friend moved away. Uh, and then, I've, you know, but, it's, but besides that, it's also like loud and it, it's hard. Cause it's like a bunch of fucking trash noise that I'm trying to like sort out into like spaces. It's and it's super exhausting. overwhelming. When we yeah. were, when we were mixing stuff the other day, I felt really overwhelmed when we started approaching each track. It's one of those things. 
and I'm sure I would have gotten through it too, although I'm not nearly as good at, at mixing as you, but but like you start working, I don't know, I'd watch you and I would like be giving my input, but it, I'm like sitting behind you, like watching you work kind of, and I'm just like, oh my God, like this is a huge thing. And then you would sort of like, you trim this, you'd pull that, you'd get this in order, and suddenly you'd be a little more digestible. And suddenly we'd be having conversations about like creative decisions that we wanted to do with the track because we yeah. understood the sound of it. And like it was, it was really intimidating, it, but it's a bigger, it's a bigger project for sure i just want to say something quickly because you say that the band is over and i uh that's not not true and i'm not saying suggesting any that we're like we're gonna play more shows or anything but i have i do feel like i well we played our last show i that could very well and likely is and let's just say that that is totally our fucking last show but i don't know like thinking more about just the nature of bands and the nature of this project and like fucking LCD <laughs> and just, you know, like maybe saying that like a thing, like Mugatu doesn't have to be over. Even if we never record or write another song and even if we never play another show, Mugatu is forever. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and yeah. because, and like we are still like Mugatu's over, but we totally spent the other day, like we were all like listening to the new mixes and talking about like changes we might want to make in them. And like, then we had a jam session like and then two we had, nights ago. And, and how and how is yeah. that over? And like some point, like like maybe a month from now, maybe a year from now, probably sometime in between, maybe sometime after that, we'll put out <laughs> this album and then there'll be new Mugatu recordings. So like to say yeah. it's over, it's not, I don't know. Well, the thing about Mugatu that, I've never had before and that I treasured was that we always played once a week. Like, mm. and it wasn't just uh, playing once a week. It was like, we hung out, you know, we'd mm -hmm. like go get oysters after we'd party when we're having rehearsals. Like we just had like bro time. Oh, yeah. that's the other thing that I think that's worth mentioning is uh, rehearsal spaces. Because when we, yeah, when we, when I lived at 23rd Madison, uh, and we rehearsed there. We were drinking hard. We were drinking and heavily. Like, we were buying like a bottle of seventy five South for thirteen dollars and drinking the whole thing in a night. Yeah, and like drinking all you know, ton of beer and yeah. doing pills and uh and so much, so much weed, so much weed. So much yeah, weed. but but I think that like I think that influenced the like heaviness of I'm a Beautiful Animal and yeah. Megalodon. Well, yeah, because we recorded Megalodon. After you went, you were moving out. Your roommates had already left. Oh, we God, had the whole house so awesome. to ourselves. I, that yeah. was great. Like having that was great. Using Mark's but room as I'm, the drum room, and we we would have discussions where we're like, guys, we can't keep this up. Like we're we're partying too hard. Like, well, can we do this for every rehearsal and every show? And and uh, then we kind of got forced out of it. We got we, forced out of it. Yeah. Yeah. We had to just start going to Evolution Studios because we didn't I, have any. I think we were trending out of it a little bit by yeah. that time. Anyway, like we were all feeling exhausted right. and. And we were starting to get a sense for... Because that, that Megalodon project, we started to, like, take the band to the next level. Yeah. Like, we were, like, our sound was more dialed in. It was a more it was a much more serious recording, like, and, like, production endeavor. It, uh... It... The, so the way we were, like, blending songs into each other, we started having, like, slight... Like, I don't know... The early songs are all very simple, but like we have songs there, like Psychedelic Atessin, that are like a little bit more involved. And we were just, we were leveling up. Yeah. And it was a little bit less compatible with like 
getting super fucked up all the time. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I mean, so when we went to Evolution and we started rehearsing sober or, or like having like a beer or two. Yeah. Or like a flask of whiskey between three of us. <laughs> uh, I really feel like it made us a better band. I mean, we yeah. got so tight. Like by the time we played our last was, show, we were the tightest we'd ever been. That was yeah. a that was like uh, like an overarching compliment to anybody that like talked to us about. Yeah, we got to is that like how tight we were. Yeah, because we were fucking trashy when we started. We were not a tight band. When people started saying we were tight, I was like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, you know so. what I think it is, and I I think this is kind of a a pretty cheap trick that I think we are like exceedingly good at. People will think you're a really tight band if you fucking nail those endings. Yeah. Like yeah. you can if you can stick that landing, then you're a tight band. Like nobody really gives a shit what happened like the minute and a half between that. Totally. Yeah. And I think on top of that, like And then I, Dan, your the drumming songs. style is like so rad and like so unique. And I think Barton and I okay. learned to play hold, hold, we like learned to play to your drumming style. Um because you have like a swagger and a swing to your playing. Like you, you compared yourself to Ringo the other day, and I think that's very true. Where like Ringo has a swagger, you have your own like Derosier swagger. And that's so I'm- as we start playing to you and like becoming like, I, we become tight because we're playing your style of drums with you. And that's that's a comment I've received before. Like you, like my drumming style is unique, and I don't particularly know what that means. Be, uh, like, like I guess you like you swagger or, but like I don't know. Can, can you help me figure that out? Like, what? It, Not in a way that doesn't sound offensive. <laughs> well, because it's sloppy, right? It's like a little. It's, yeah, it's sloppy. Like you, you play, but it's like sloppy in like a like a fucking awesome way. Like sloppy in a way like that you just want it all over your face. You know what I mean? You know, the like, funny thing is, Dan. While I believe. I do believe Jesse because I've heard other people say this too. I, th- I think maybe this is a way in which like you and I are actually like kind of like musically compatible because I don't feel it either. And to me, you're like, it's not that you're like mathematically on, but like you're on. And I've actually always like. I like play tons of instruments. Like being per- perfectly syncopated has never been my thing. Yeah. And like I've never been like super on rhythm. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe that's one of the things that like helped it work from the very get go. And I think your swagger, I think that's like, that's the swagger I was looking to strut to. I think that just like it fell in line with my playing style and my own style mm-hmm. and my own maybe kind of like loose like like vocal style too, like really, really naturally. And like I. It's not like I'm saying, like, I always thought you were just playing perfectly. It's not that. It's just, like, your drumming always just sounded like the right drumming to me. Like, I never sounded weirder <laughs> off. So in the yeah. same way that you're like, you're like, I get that kind of, but, like, how so? It's like, that's how I feel. It's like, oh, that's just Dan. That's how drums yeah. are supposed to sound, right? I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it, I, because I, I know, because I know, like, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident in my tempo. Like as far as like keeping a pretty good tempo, mm-hmm. um, I know, I know, but I know that I'm like, I know that I'm kind of sloppy. It like, uh, it's like I don't, I don't, I don't practice outside of rehearsal. You know, it's not like I'm not like a, a studio drummer. So it's like I, I don't play the metronomes. Yeah, uh, and I like learn drums by listening to Weezer records and playing along to it. So I get that like I'm missing something that people who aren't exactly like trained to do it but, but i just i never know i never know how to like quantify it i'm just like yeah i'm just like kind of garagey sloppy 
But so it's interesting because like I was playing in drums and horse picket where I was playing the the electronic kit and mm-hmm. I needed to be like a computer, you know? Right. Like, and that's something that people would tell me is like, wow, you sound like a computer. Uh, <laughs> um, which, yeah, thanks, whatever. But, but the thing is, is that like, and now I'm making the synth music, which is very mathematical and very, you know, like computer-ish. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned from you is that maybe it's better to have some swagger and like maybe it's better to be a little bit looser and have some more feel behind it and i was thinking about that very strongly when i recorded asteroid field and mm-hmm. i feel like that song of my whole album is the one that has the most like juice and guts and like feeling yeah. and uh well, I, and I, vibe I mean, and swagger to it and that's i mean that's direct, it comes directly from playing with you I'm, a, sure. I'm, a, I'm an emotional artist yeah i learned i i learned like so much from playing with you guys like i feel like me as a musician was like here, which is like a down low hand and then up high hand, like after playing with you guys where, and it was mostly like letting go of my preconceptions of what music should be. Cause I'd gone to music school. I'd been playing music since I was six years old. Like I'd been trained, uh, like classically trained trumpet player and, and like I studied piano and I, you know, played in youth symphony and orchestra and all this shit. And then I started playing rock music when I was, uh, in like junior high or high school. But, I always like struggled to kind of have that rock spirit. Uh, like people would tell me it was like I, I played like Animal from the Muppets because like my arms were all over the place. But I didn't, I didn't necessarily have like a a groove or a style that I was playing in. And then uh, Mugatsu really gave that to me, where I kind of let go of all of my own thoughts about what I was as a musician and became something just natural and instinctive and in my opinion, better. I mean, I, my music that I'm making now, I love so much more just because it feels good to listen to. And that I, I never really cared. I wanted to make something intricate. I wanted to see how intricate I could make something and fit this many pieces into something and see if I could make it work. But then like, from playing with you guys, I'm like, well, I just want to make this feel good. You mm-hmm. know? There, yeah. To me, <clears throat> at a certain point, I would start when I would see, like, there's this phenomenon that is like rock music, rock and roll. And when I would see uh, just footage of like the early Rolling Stones or I would see some fucking, uh, I don't know, any number of like rad, like music documentaries or fuck, oh, any of that stuff. In a way that I had never felt with the prior projects and I was in rock bands before. You know, Mugatu, it's not like we ever, ever had or ever will have like the audience of those acts or, you know, necessarily not saying that not making any comparison of the music, but just like what we were doing. I felt like we were participating in that tradition. Like I was, I felt like I was a part of rock and roll and not as many eyes were on us, but like we were doing something that was like part of that trajectory and extending and expanding on it in our own way. And just like, then there were people who saw us and there's some people who saw us and loved it. And among them, like a small group of them will have saw us and like incorporated into the things that they do. Yeah. And I really felt like, and I can remember just like watching these things and talking to Val and just saying like, I'm so glad that I'm like part, like I feel like I'm part of rock and roll in this tiny way, in our own tiny way, yeah. like part of this, tradition we played a show at the two bit where i jumped off the stage and like got down on the floor with my bass and then was like looking at the ground and i looked up and like everyone was on the floor with me and 
I had this like moment like where my heart stopped in my chest. I was like, oh my God, like people are following me. Like, <laughs> and then I stood up and then people stood up slowly around me. I was like, oh my God, like this is it. Like this is happening. That was the show where when we played Say Ya, when you screamed like Say Ya, the whole audience went like, yeah, for the first what? time. That was such a tease. That was the first time we played Say Ya. <laughs> and every, we, were, we said Say Ya and then people said yeah. Yeah. And, and with yeah. no goading or instructing. <laughs> But it reminded and, uh, me, like, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Dave Matthews Band, and there was all these audience moments for the Dave Matthews Band songs where people would do specific things at every show that Dave would play, because they'd hear the live recordings, they'd hear someone else do it, and it became a thing that they would do. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, that's the first time, it, like, I'd ever experienced that, where the audience does something unprompted that becomes a part of the song. And that happened, like, I think three times. Yeah, but it didn't Seiya. happen for a long time after that. That's, that's true. That's why it was a tease. It was like, we were just like, oh, yeah, cool. That makes sense because we say Seiya and now the audience says, yeah, that's really great. And yeah. then we had tons of shows after that with, with like, relatively large and enthusiastic audiences who were totally jumping around and dancing and, like, singing along. And then we'd say, say, you know, it'd be say, yeah. And, and we'd w- and just nothing. Say, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the fact that it happened at all to me says that we were connecting on a deeper level than I've ever connected with an audience yeah. where yeah, yeah. like the audience isn't watching the show. They're in the show. They're a part of the show and they're there with you. And it's like, that's the, what's all about. I mean, that's the whole fucking point of playing rock music on stage is to like transport people and give them an experience. Say play shows now that's like i didn't know that before mugatu but um i only want to play shows like i want to record albums too and like my new projects i mean my electronic project is mostly about recorded material just by virtue of the medium but the songs that i'm writing now they're they're i'm like conceptualizing them to play live and I don't know, just like with Mugatu, <clears throat> and this, it's on us. Like we never pushed our recordings, we never sent them to radio. But like, and like some people bought them, but we never even like hawked them to pe- on people either. We wouldn't even it's say like, we had albums when we played shows. It wasn't about that. And to me, like Mugatu, like that sort of participation in the scene and like getting people excited through a live performance, like that's all I want now like mm-hmm. I could like skip the whole recorded out al- like if we if we had to like look back in time and of course like, I mean, this is a silly thing to say but but if we had to look back in time and like either do Mugatu 
without recording albums, just like playing the shows with the songs as we wrote them, or alternatively, like without playing shows, doing like Beatles post revolver thing, where like we're just putting out albums, not recording. Like the shows are like it was about the shows, yeah. Uh, My life up until that point was like I love recording so much. It's my it's my ultimate medium is just recording music. Yeah, and I'd liked performing, but I'd never been in a band that felt perfect to play in on stage yeah. and this band felt so fucking good to play in like with this band i now if i'm not on stage now for a certain amount of time i start to get depressed like i just need i need that moment of just like, like it's like a religious experience where like you just have this amazing moment with this room full of people where you're all there together and it's just beautiful and like spiritual and wonderful and i just i miss it so much so I can't wait. That's why I'm even like playing with Naomi, trying to get this new sci-fi band off the ground because I think we could do something really cool with it. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird. I like, I, I to me it's like, oh, I did it. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I did it. I don't like, uh, yeah. Then it's like I'm like I'm just like relieved. Like I, oh my god, I don't have to fucking lug drums around anymore. <laughs> I'm so pumped about that. Yeah. Just start playing shows with the ukulele, man. Yeah. See. It would, but fuck you guys. You both like you had you had like two pieces of equipment to like well you guess you had three. Dude, my rig now is like shitty to lug around. With, like, I got two keyboards, heavy. I got like like two or three synthesizers that I'm lugging. Yeah. I, it's so much shit. It's really I had a lot like and once your shit was set up, like there were never any electrical problems that could go on. No, yeah. You, had, I you, know. you have your own simplicities. No, but I mean to his credit, like I've played drums in bands and it sucks. Also like, lugging drums around sucks. Just for the record being the only member of any band when you're the one the only one with the car oh, yeah. actually <laughs> all of your gear was my burden <laughs> all of it so true me and Every dan show. were like such freeloaders so fuck you dan because <laughs> yeah. you feel like you were carrying that i was carrying that drum set yeah, too. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, just a random thought i like i always got huge confidence boosts when after the show, like the sound guy was like, "That was fucking rad." <laughs> sound guys love us. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we would bring them out of the doldrums of yeah. like miking shitty bands. I was shitty or not, at least we weren't fucking boring. You know, yeah. like it's you. You see the same shit again and again and again. Even good shit. I don't like because like, we were playing at venue. But you know, eventually we were playing at good venues where yeah. there was good music most nights. And, you know, it's not like the sound guy. It's not like it's always their cup of tea. But, you know, like, if you're fucking, like, doing sound for Nectar or Barboza, like, it's not like you've got, like, shitty garage bands, like, coming through. Like, yeah, good bands coming through. Yeah, good, yeah. good bands coming through. So, and I think, but you see the same good band again and again and again. And at a certain point, even a good band is is going to be that, like, novelty is going to run dry. And yeah. you see that every night, and it's just going to... So I think the fact that we were coming out and making one, you know, once again, we're just making it a show. It wasn't just the music, and not just, it wasn't just the songs. Like we were wearing costumes, we were performing, we, we were, were switching moving, instruments, switching yeah. instruments. Like yeah. we were yelling like wildly and jubilantly in between the songs to try to get the audience involved and pumped up. And we uh, we would bring in guests. We would ambush the audience with oh, fucking dude, like the fucking hordes horns. of brass yeah. players. We would bring, we'd like we, put horns up in the rafters at the nectar, and then. Yeah. <laughs> Have like horns start playing towards the end of the set, and everyone in the audience is like, "What the fuck is happening?" We 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 tried. 
and yeah. we succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my, a difference. It my makes favorite, you stand out. My favorite sound guy memory is one of the shows we played at the Sunset was a really good show. Yeah. And uh, the sound guy had mentioned that he called, he called, a, he was like texting the sound guy from the Blue Moon being like, dude, this band Magatru's playing, they're fucking, they're fucking awesome. And then it, the Blue Moon guy's like, yeah, I know, they're playing here next week. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But like, if nothing else, we like entertained the employees of music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is our legacy. It's an awesome legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the person I was before and after Mugatu is significantly different. And uh, like my family and my friends back in San Diego would see these images come up of me, like in bondage leather and butterfly wings. And like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I, I started getting that question all the time. Like, like, what is this with like disgust? Um, and it was weird. I mean, I, I feel like I'd always kind of made music for my parents in a way. Cause my parents are such huge fans of everything that I do because they're my parents. So I like tried to make music that would make them happy. But um, this was the first thing I ever really did for me where like, this is what I've always wanted to be just like a angelic, like weird, like showman uh, that's super like flamboyant doing whatever the fuck I wanted to do. And it like changed me where I'm like a different person now. And I, I feel like I'm more myself because of it. Totally. Well, on that note, should we, We'll call it? Call it? Mm, call it. Let's call it. Next song? Next song. Next song. Next song. That's it, dudes. We got 30 episodes in the bag. Thank you so much for listening to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. To hear the rest of my episodes and check out all the rest of my solo sci-fi music and uh, my other podcast, Sci-Fi on Trial, everything I have, jessemercury.com. Check it out. It's good shit. And you can check out Mugatu online at mugatumugatu.com. I think, normally. I just went to the website and it's not there, so I'm not sure what's going on. I'm going to ask Barton about that. But in the meantime, you can go to mugatumugatu.bandcamp.com to hear our discography. We're on Facebook. Just look for Mugatu. You see pictures of us wearing paint. Uh, That's how you know that it's us. Uh, Barton and Dan, love you guys so much. And I'm just so happy to have this recording, have this thing that we can, you know, have for the rest of our lives where we, we got it all on tape. We got it all recorded tape what am i saying there's no tape it's all digital uh yeah but i love it it's a nice thing to have so i uh, i actually played you guys a little sample of our next album during this episode when we talked about james Earl jones the song with the lion king uh quote in it i, I played you that little snippet that was a work in progress of the version that's going to be on our next album next and last album uh and i also i have more for you i have an, another little snippet to end the episode uh, this is one of our songs. It's one of my favorites. It's also one of my favorite titles. It's called Magic School Bus. They're all one of my favorites. I say that constantly. I know that, but I'm just a very excitable person. I'm going to play you the work in progress of Magic School Bus to end out the episode today. So this is a little rough. The mix is not done. This is not mastered. You know the drill. I've done this kind of thing for you before, but uh, it's I, it's so cool. I mean, this really gets me juiced up every time I listen to it. So this is kind of the direction we're going for the for our for our posthumous posthumous album. I can't say that word. The album that we're releasing after the band is dead. (laughs) Uh, So thank you so much for listening. Oh, if if you live in Seattle and you're around this Saturday, the 13th, I'll be playing as part of the super famous variety show at the Pocket Theater. 
I don't remember what time it starts because, God damn it, I'm the worst. I think it starts at 8.30. You might remember uh, Randy Wood and Lindsay Leonard, who were on my show back on episode uh, 10, I believe, who are part of Super Famous. Lindsay since moved to New York, but Randy's still keeping this thing strong. He's working with Taz Goo instead of uh, Lindsay, and Taz is awesome, and I'm so excited to be a part of this show. I'll be playing some of my sci-fi music and most likely wearing some sort of spacesuit. So uh, come check it out this Saturday. Uh, I'll post up some details at jessemercury.com just to make sure I have the time correct. I hope to see you there. And closing out episode 30, here is work in progress of Mugatu Magic School Bus. Oh. 